Hi guys, welcome back to Hear Our Voices. Thank you for coming and checking us out. And welcome back to John's story and his life and what he does for the homeless community. Part two, but before we get into that, I want to say that FAC is hiring. We are hiring a new fellow to come and join our team. Right now we have three fellows. A fellow is a person with lived experience in homelessness with a, a, is a parent, <laughs> usually, um, not usually, it is a parent with a child under 18 while they were in shelter. So that's the requirements. What's well, one of the requirements that also we have, as you know, a Spanish podcast, so we're trying to get another bilingual person who speaks Spanish onto our team. So if you're a person who has at least those two, and you'll see down below, we'll give you more information about um, what you can do to apply. And also, if you qualify to apply with the things that we listed out, come and join our team. We would love to have you. And see you next time, guys. Bye. Well, not bye. Stay and watch the rest of the podcast, okay? And also, how can I forget? Follow us on our social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. If you was following us on Instagram, you'd have found out about this already. By the time you hear this, it'll be two days late. It's still not too late to apply. So we hope that you come and join our team. Bye. Um, and what you're doing, Kadisha, is so exciting to me because one of the biggest problems with the shelter system is that it's built on this idea that people are homeless because of their own fault, because of sort of an individual household level failing. Right. When that's, that's not the case. People are homeless. Everyone has everyone has, has hard times. Everyone loses jobs. There's no one's income is set is set to the cost of housing. Those are two completely different markets. Right. So anyone at risk of housing instability. The failure is the system. The failure is what I described, that we've built up white wealth and we have prevented black communities from building up wealth. And so we've created a system that pushes black people into greater danger when their housing is unstable. And we need to address that as a root cause. We also just don't build enough affordable homes. You know, like we've, we've, we've learned that if you're going to provide school to everyone, which we think is necessary, the public has to do it. You can't just right. leave it to the public schools, to, you know, or they won't teach everybody. Exactly. We, that's true for healthcare. If you only provide healthcare to people that can afford it, tons of people won't get healthcare. So we've learned that, like, we as the public have to provide healthcare to everyone. Housing is the same thing. The cost of housing has nothing to do with people's income. Or not enough to do. They're not. They're not linked. So if we're gonna, and everyone has to have a home to survive and to thrive, but we have to learn that we, through some through different ways, we as the public have to provide a home to everyone in some way. Uh, so 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 that's what we're working on. And specifically, uh, we want. I launched this thing called the New York City Fund to End Youth and Family Homelessness. This is what Khadija and I work on together. Right. It's a group of foundations uh, and, and lived experts who are advocates who come together and we pool money from different foundations and we make decisions about uh, where to make grants with that money. So Khadija sits on the board of this. I, I, I'm the staff person. 
And together, me as the staff with the board, come up with a strategy for, you know, how we want to tackle this with the money that we have. And then we make grants to nonprofits that are working in this space to prevent and to end homelessness um, for, for youth and families. That's our focus. Yes. And he's doing a lot of great things. We have there's a lot of different things we work on right now. And I can't wait to explore more with John. He does so much. Um, just be keep your ears out. A lot of things are in store for New York City. We're here not to just, you know, sit sit on the sidelines and just watch it happen. We're here to really get in the game and really play all areas that we need to to kind of help homelessness. Um and honestly, when you kind of clean up one area of homelessness, hopefully the rest of them kind of follow, follow suit. And what I don't like about, I don't know if it's all the states, but I just know mostly about New York City, that they break homelessness in so much categories, men, women, um, youth, and then they break it in families. To me, I feel like it shouldn't matter what sector you're in. The point is that the word is that we're all homeless. <laughs> and the, the pretty word they try to use right now is unhoused. Was like, that's just a... The point is that we're homeless. Don't try to make it sound better to a suit make you make you feel better. No, the point is that we're homeless. <laughs> well, I'm not homeless anymore. People are homeless, and they want to get into a home. Um, it's not it's not a better feeling than being in a, your own place with your own keys by yourself if you choose. Like, it's it's a it's so good. Like when I first moved into my apartment, even though it was in the ghetto in NYCHA, I live in the projects. You already know this, and. It was a different world for me because I grew up in a house in, in Queens, in this, as people call Queens of suburbia, because they have less buildings. And I lived in a house for 20-something years. and But living in a shelter for over a year and having to go on a curfew, have to eat their nasty food if I didn't have money for something. But most times I had money, thank God for that. Um, and not like, like it was just to have your own place and to have your own keys and have to answer to nobody other than paying in New York City the rent. <laughs> oh, it's just like, it's if it's a good feeling. Even though I slept on the floor for a couple of days because I didn't get my blow up bed on time, me and my daughter, I had my sheets and I was like, I don't have a bed, but I was so grateful to be in this place because it's just like, being in shelter is just not it. And honestly, at first I was gonna sleep on the street and my ex-husband was like, at this time it was my husband, you can't do that. <laughs> You're pregnant. Why are you going in the street? Because if you don't know my story, if you have listened, I went to PATH and they denied me. So I hadn't really know where to go. And my ex-husband was in Jamaica. So that's the problem all by itself. So um, so that was the thing. So it was like, I was so grateful to be in my own place on the floor. It didn't matter. My daughter. And I'm like, I hugged her up and we slept. The ground was so hard, but I didn't care. <laughs> But I'm just so grateful to have, it's like, it, it's something different, you know, that's having your own place, having your own keys. I'm not the greatest hundred, like a great cook, but I had my own stove because my, my shelter didn't even have a stove. They had a microwave. Like my first shelter, I had a stove, but when I stayed in the, like for a year and change, I didn't have a stove. I couldn't make a boil water if I wanted to, unless you put in the microwave and I'm not used to microwave food. I'm Jamaican. We're used to having our home cooked meals on our stove and that's it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a stove. Like people don't think about these things. I have a stove. Like <laughs> I, I don't know, but John helps out so many people. He helps out the youth. He helps out families. As like I said, again, that's the area we work in. But I feel like it shouldn't be so much different areas. And I feel like also because of that, when we make the laws and we want like 90 day rule or this rule passed, that rule passed. 
we have to literally break down into groups because all the rules are put into different categories for the different groups. So it could be, oh, something for families is done, but something for singles is not done. And to me, that doesn't make sense. If we just do put it all in one category, we could break one rule at a time instead of doing everything separately. It's, I know it sounds, in my mind, it sounds like it's easy, but I know to untangle the web and put it together as one is going to take a lot. But we work as a get like together as a team. I think we can make it happen. I think we really could make it happen because it's so annoying. I work with not only families. I work with um people who do like something with singles and a lot of youth and stuff like that, and stuff for the COC and things like that. And John also, I see her in COC in COC meetings and things like that for youth. And I'm like, to me, it's just so crazy to me that like when they talk about certain rules, I'm like, but. I talk about the same rule in families, but because it's in different areas, we can't work together as a team. So we're always like, we're almost butting heads to get one thing down the pipeline. If we just work together, we can get this thing broken for everybody. It's so annoying to me, but I'm just one person, just one voice. So hopefully whoever's hearing this in the mayor's office or in the, in the state could help me out, like help us out. Cause we're struggling out here. We're really trying to make it. And it's just like, it's like hitting a brick wall, but I don't know. But um, what do you like most about your job? Like, what, in your opinion, about what do you do? What do you like most? Um, that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> I mean, the goal of what we well, one thing I love working with you, obviously. Thank you. That's a lot of fun. We have really great people. There's a lot of really great work, and we get to know each other over time, and get to learn things from each other that's really important in any job right. working with cool people um the thing that is most exciting is kind of what you were talking about like seeing change at a system at a citywide level from something that you were part of uh you know if we pilot something and the city takes notice of it or we make the city take notice of it we push it to them we get them to pay attention and we show them that it works and it works better than sticking people, leaving people in shelter for a year. Um, you know, we, 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 then that kind of thing. And then, and then the city changes and starts to change how it approaches it based on something that we've done. Those kinds of things are the thing I, I enjoy the most. Um, and I just wanted to echo what you were saying. Like, you know, we focus on youth and families um, in this particular fund, you know, in my work, I, my other work outside of the fund, focus on everyone. I think uh, you're 100% right. Everyone needs a home, regardless of who you are, what your household looks like, how old you are, whether you have kids or not, every single human has to have a home. And, um, and I think one of the ways we have to get that is we all have to speak together. Um, and we have to join together with people who are advocating and being activists on other issues. You know, people who focus on incarceration, people who focus on healthcare, people who focus on education, all of ha having a home connects to every single one of those issues. And, um, and, and every person involved, every school, every kid in school, every patient in a hospital system or in, in, in the healthcare system, every person going into and coming out of incarceration, everyone needs a home. And we have to join together with all of those movements and we need those movements to join with us uh, to make change, you know, and to, and to, and to make our voices louder. <laughs> Definitely true. Well, I think one area we always forget, even myself, is the elderly. Um, 
we, if we're lucky, we're all going to be old, right? One day. And the thing about it, as you get older, unless you're like a millionaire, you know, your money goes down because they're not working anymore, right? Even though, granted, they try to put up the age for retirement at this point. People, they like, at this point, it seems like hundreds are working. But um, when you get older, you can't move as much. You're, you're just slower than, you know, people who are as young as us. You know, I'm not young, but, you know, I'm younger than a person who's 80. Um, we tend to forget about them. I feel like a lot of times, and they don't have a lot of time because they can't pay rent and rent is going up unless they're in a place where it has like stabilized housing. And not everybody wants to go to a nursing home because it's just not for them. Um, and sometimes not all nursing homes are the best. Let's be honest. Not everywhere, not everywhere nursing home is, you know, 100%. They're like about a 50 out of 100. And that's not a great number, even for a passing score for a test. So um, I think we got to think about that also. Even though I know this is not the podcast for it. But I think we just need to um, make sure we cover everybody. I feel like I don't want nobody to be left out because eventually we're all going to be old. We're all going to be in this area. At one point, if you live to 100, you have passed through every stream of age and income and area of life to be in. Um, unless you're a billionaire, you're going to struggle sometime. You know, it's not going to be up all the time. And um, I just, we have to remember that. Um, is there anything that you are working on now or you're working on now that you would like to see be changed in New York City? Um, oh, a lot. Um, <laughs> top five, top five. You no, know, is, I mean, I think the biggest problem with in New York is, is that our system is only set up to provide shelter. Right. So part of that's like, you know, in the eighties when homelessness first started becoming a real crisis, the, the, the in the in in response to the crisis with every you know like it felt like a building on fire and you had to do whatever you took to put it out and the and the and the, and the resolution that people came up with or the response it's not a solution was to create a right to shelter and we're the only city in the country that has a right to shelter right. and that's definitely better than not having a right to shelter you know like if no one has a right to shelter being on the street is probably for most people not everybody but for most people it's worse than being in a shelter depending on what the shelter's like but it's not a solution. And so we're, we're now spending, you know, three or four billion dollars a year keeping people homeless, keeping them in shelter. And instead of instead of spending that money or spending a similar amount of money helping people get homes. That's true. And so what I, what I want to try to do is and we're not we're not invested in preventing people from coming homeless to, be, to begin with or helping them quickly get into a permanent home as soon as they're, as soon as they lose the home they're in. So that's what I, that's what the fund is really, that's what our biggest mission is to try to redesign this system so that we focus on preventing people from becoming homeless to begin with, helping them stay in their homes right. when they want to stay, when they're stable, uh, if they're facing housing instability or insecurity or facing eviction, or if they have been evicted or they have lost their home for whatever reason, or they need to leave for whatever reason, if, it's a, if they're in a DV situation, or the home is really bad and not well-maintained by the landlord, whatever reason they want to move, having a system that helps people immediately get into a permanent, safe, quality, affordable home. Um, that's the goal. The other big thing that I, that I started to talk about before is, like, like I said, the system is built around this false idea that, that homelessness is because of the household's failure. And so as a result, it's designed to treat people like failures and to not give them control over their own resources 
and over their own decision making. And it treats people like prisoners often. I mean, I don't know if this is how you would describe your experience, but like, yeah, like you didn't get to choose that you didn't have a stove or a microwave. You don't have the same choices that everyone else has about their home right. when you're in shelter. Uh, we need to we need to blow that up and put the resources in control of the household. Let the household control the resources that are being spent on them. They know each household knows best right. what its situation is what the solutions are and what its goals are. We design a one size fits all system. It ends up being a one size fits nobody system. And instead we should have the power and the control over resources and decision-making start with the household. If they want and need support. They should be in control of where they go to get support. We should have all kinds of support systems available to people, but like we do in every other aspect of the world, you know, uh, in, in the middle class world, where if you have an accountant or you have a lawyer, or you have, you know, childcare, you're the customer and you're in charge of how it works. And if you're not satisfied, you can move on. Right. We need a system that looks like that uh, and is responsive to, to the expertise that people have over their own lives. Um, so th th that's what we want to, those are the two things, we, the big things we want to change, sort of that the system focuses on prevention and solutions, not just on crisis management and shelter, and that it gives, it turns power back and resources back into the control of families and households themselves. Right. What came to my mind just now when you said, um, basically make a thing what fits everybody. Um, I don't know why the link came in my mind, but if you don't know what link is, it was a voucher way they had city fabs and they had fabs and then they had the link program they had like one two they had like a bunch of numbers like i think it went up to like one to five something like that but you had to fit in a certain category to actually get in it so if you, if you like one for disability one for dv they had a different things but it was so like if you don't strike off every they had like example if they had the first one had like five different categories and if you didn't go fit in every single category you didn't even fit in to get that link so it was really hard to get in it i feel like we need programs or housing or this thing. It shouldn't, but it shouldn't be so much. It shouldn't be a hectic dance just to get in it, to be able to um be able to get an example. City Fabs. When I first got in, they told me to get in a shelter, you have to get an eviction. And when I got there, they told me, oh, you need eviction plus you have to owe your landlord money. So I didn't even qualify for City Fabs because I didn't owe my landlord any money. I just got the eviction because I didn't where I was honestly wasn't safe, wasn't the greatest. Um, the lady wasn't that nice <laughs> of a person living with that's what the um second time I went homeless it was a whole thing guys I have my story up y'all can go listen to it but um I feel like they shouldn't they should have the things also things out for us but don't make it hard to get in it and to get the things that we actually need it shouldn't be a fight to get <laughs> these these programs if we need a little help you know how to qualify for no vouchers now if you need a help you need to just be able to get the help and not I'm not gonna say make it too easy for people to scam I think about that also scamming, but most times people who want to get the help are not trying to scam the system. You know what I'm saying? They really need the help because their family needs the help. And I think a lot of times also the the gap where they put the money, especially now because a lot of things are expensive, the the money people are getting and the gap that the city made to give you that, oh, you can't you're going to make less than $15 an hour when minimum wage in New York City is $15. <laughs> it doesn't make sense because they do everything by how much you make and your family size. If you have two people in your family and make it fifteen dollars, they say, "Oh my gosh, that's too much money." Fifteen dollars an hour in New York City for forty hours a week is not a. It can hardly cover the rent. 
<laughs> it doesn't make sense. They might have to do things state by state and family by family. Because honestly, one size does not fit all. This is not a hat. This is not um, a pair of socks. This is, is not how it works. <laughs> you know, um, we have many different sizes for clothes, large, medium, and small. Um, we need to have that for our vouchers, our um, HRA with food stamps. Right now, I feel like I should qualify for food stamps, but I don't. And I don't make that much. And it's like, granted, and I live in public housing. So can you imagine, if I tell you I live in public housing, that means my, my rent is only 30% of what I make, right? That's one thing. And then um, I have a daughter. I'm a foster mom. Granted, you get money for the foster kids. So the foster kid doesn't count. So it's me, really me and my daughter, KK, right? So that's two people on my thing. And I don't get food stamps. Something's off there, you know? Something's definitely off. Because if I tell you I can afford, like, I can afford food. Obviously, we're eating. I'm not going to say we're out here starving. But if I had an extra help of having food stamps, that'd be better. My daughter got PEBT the other day. I was like, I was so happy. I was like, oh, my gosh. We can get a little extra stuff, a little extra trips here and there. You know, it's not healthy, I know. But, it's, you know, a little extra things, it makes you feel happy. It brings your spirit. Like, the smallest things brings your spirit up. It just, people don't think about that. Oh, you get your hair done. People are like, oh, my don't waste money on that. I'm a person who can't do hair. So if I just get money to do my hair, I'm like, oh my God, I feel so fabulous. You feel good. And it makes you happy. It makes your body, it makes you be better. People don't want to think, think about everything is an intersection with your life. If you don't have money, if you don't have an apartment or a house, if you don't have clothes, if you don't have food, all these things can make you start getting sick. People don't think about the stress that can happen on your actual body. People sometimes hair fall out. They're picking up eyelashes. They're digging their skin. Because I know I have a I have a digging skin problem. When I'm stressed, I'm digging. It'll be nothing there, and I'm digging. My, like these things are mentally bothering you. If you don't know the the mental um illness rate in New York City has risen. <laughs> we should have known this in Corona. It has risen. People are stressed. These things stress you out till you go cuckoo for cocoa puffs. Like it, that's how it is. And when all these things into don't have the money for food, money for this, you go a little crazy. When you're by yourself, it's like, okay, but when you're a parent, I'm not saying singles don't get on me. Like you, you're not important. You are important. But when, when you're taking care of another person, say your mom, your child, people don't think about, oh, when I'm older and my mom is older, that means if she's sick, I got to take care of her. These are things you got to think. If you're mourning one person in a household and there's two people, three people, four people, that means the stress is going to be on everybody else. We're all stressed together. And when people are stressed together, that's violence go up. See, that means the DV rate. People only think about mother, you know, woman and man. No, mother and child. It could be anybody in the family. It could be a DV rate going up. People don't think about these things. Everything intersects. And we need to get housing together. We need to um put the rates for food stamps for people that, like, even if you don't get them cash, it's fine. But at least for the food stamps part, like, come on. Like, put the rate for that up. People, it's, it's, it's a lot of, our system has a lot of problems. And I feel like I'm trying to tackle all of them all the time on the podcast, right? But it's just like, we need to work together as one to get this together. Um, New York, especially like New York, California, their, <laughs> their homeless crisis, because especially they don't have a right to shelter, a lot of people are living on the street. I feel like probably more than New York. I'm not sure statistic-wise, but their homeless shelter problem, I mean, shelter, I mean, homeless problem in general is out of control. Um, As you know, we are, as John said before, we have right to shelter. Basically, we're taking everybody, right? Um, Because of that, we attract a lot of people who are not from New York. <laughs> we have a lot of migrants coming in right now. Um, The numbers are going up and up. You heard me talk about that on an earlier podcast with um Alyssa about how she, see a lot of, she saw a lot of people coming in and then all of a sudden they saw families coming in. Can you imagine? As I said in that podcast, traveling with your families through the jungle, it's just like a lot of different things intersecting. And we could honestly, we're not even 
we're not even we're trying our best to help the people we have here already <laughs> and we have people coming in it's a lot i know this is like not what we the subject was talking about but it's just like there's so many different things and problems happening at once and it's driving honestly everybody up the wall I don't know about any other other state. I don't live there. I live in New York. And honestly, I don't look at other statistics. But it probably if we're getting bad too, I'll assume that California with a high um homeless rate is also getting bad with violence and things like that because of everything happening at the moment. Um it can be a lot. Um if you are a person who's listening who is who can be able to help to turn the wheels in different you might not be able to help every single situation I talk about right now, right? But you're able to help something to be a better person, to crack a smile with somebody, because a smile can make a person they brighten up. Just you know, you know, I don't smile all the time on the street, especially in New York, you're gonna kinda of be kinda of mean, that's like walking, you know, the people are kinda of crazy or you are too friendly. But if you're in a place where you feel safe, smile for somebody open the door for somebody, just be a kind person. That could change a whole person's day, whole person's attitude. Um, who needs probably a little smile people in the HRA office because they need a they need probably hugs too, a little raise, I'm just saying, because they don't get paid enough half of the time. Um, but it's a lot of different things. I feel like I'm going off on a tangent as I do, but it's just like we need help. <laughs> Who's gonna help us? But oh my gosh. But John does so much with what he's doing and his philanthropy work. I'll, I'm gonna make him get. I've been talking for like about five minutes. I'm gonna make him talk now because I'm like I'm taking it over. But it's just so much. Thank you for coming again to listen to our podcast. Check us out on all social media platforms. Again, if you would like to be a part of our fellows um, of Family Homeless Coalition, we'd love to have you. Definitely go apply as soon as possible. Um. We only are opening in about a month or so to apply, so definitely go check that out. Also, follow us again on social media. All the links that you'll need is down below. And if you have any information that you would love to give the podcast, we would love to have it. If you would like to be a guest, we'd definitely love to have you too. So next time, guys. Bye.